Or let me say this, that, that mom and dad did their best to try to teach you that God loves you. But when you get a first-hand revelation of the goodness of God, the love of God, you will begin to lean that He will provide for you in the future. When that happens, you can turn me down just a little bit. When, when that happens, you begin to have a thankful heart. It, 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 as I said before, there, there's something about getting the revelation of how good God is that will give you the opportunity to worship like never before in your life. Moses got the revelation when he saw the goodness of God pass in, in front of him and he was, you know, just after the children of Israel messed up and he said, oh, and he fell down and worshiped. We, we have the ability to know the goodness of God in our life. And that's why we remember the things that God has done. Sometimes we have such a short memory or we have a, a long memory and then we think that God's limited to doing that in the future. When we understand that God will provide for us and then we can put our hope in Him, that's something right there that we can put our faith in the hope. Now follow me because I know this sounds tricky, but it's not. When you have hope that God will provide for you in the future, then you can have faith that you put your hope in. Faith is being sure of the things we hope for and certain of the things we do not see. A lot of people say, I have faith that God will take care of me. But they really have no hope of how he's going to do it. Now, now watch this. One time I heard a story about this, uh, being a pastor, I hear all these stories of uh, uh, different things, and one of them was this lady came, uh, Sister Smith, to pastor and said, you know, uh, I'm kind of concerned. My husband says if I, you know, I, he's going to kill me. And pastor said, you know, you've said that for, for some time now, and, and I'll just tell you that I'm getting kind of tired of hearing that. God will take care of you. Have faith. Sister, I'll pray for you. The next week, she came back and said, Pastor, I'm scared. And the pastor said, I told you God will take care of you. Have faith. She said, I do have faith, but he says, but what? Well, my husband said last night, if I keep coming here, he's going to kill you, Pastor. <laughs> pastor said, well, then I think it's time to check out that church on the other side of town. See, a lot of times it's easier to have, tell somebody else to have faith. But when the circumstance comes to us, that we have this ability to go, whoa, 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 whoa. you're talking about me? That, that happens all through our life in the area of, you know, our health in surgery. It, it's, it's easier for somebody to say, I'll pray for you when it's not you. But when the time comes, can you step up and say, I believe that I might be surrounded, but God, I'm surrounded by you. We've, we've said, and, and let me re remind you so that we can keep 
keep this going, but for the non-believer way, and I didn't say the non-Christian, because a believer could be a Christian, but they're not believing what God's Word says over their life. A non-believer's way is an unbeliever is safe in their own way. They think, well, you know, usually when it comes down to it, there's no risk. And really, they get what they expect most of the time because they're such a, you know, I'm not going to believe that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to. But here's what I want you to see is for the people that are believers. This is something that you got to get because we all fight against this. If you don't know about it, you won't fight against. But when God blesses and you've chose to unbelieve what God says over your life, who you are in him. When he when he has asked us to do things like uh, walk in love or walk by faith and not by sight or or be givers, be generous on every occasion, tithers. Now, now somebody that's doing the things that God has asked us to do versus somebody that is not a believer. And again, I didn't say not a Christian, just a person that doesn't believe. Oh, I don't do that. Here's what I do. I don't tithe. I just give my time. Well, see, that's not what the Word of God says. You're making your own gospel up. That's kind of like Cain bringing a different sacrifice. God, I'm not going to bring, you know, an animal like you've asked me to do. I'm going to bring fruit or vegetables, whatever, the crop. And God says, that's not what I ask. I won't receive that. So, so we have to watch that when we're a, a non-believer, we're not going to do the thing. When somebody is doing the things of God and seeing a, a result, that the non-believer shouldn't be critical for the person that's getting blessed of what God's Word says. You, you see somebody that is doing the things of God and they, they start something of a, a, a what we call a side hustle. You know, they have a job, but they're going to start a, uh, uh, they're going to buy lawnmowers. Let's throw something out. They're going to lawnmowers and they're going to repair the lawnmowers and sell it on Craigslist, Facebook market, I'm something, side hustle. And all of a sudden this becomes, you know, oh, I'm not going to do that. That guy's crazy for doing that. Why would anybody do that? That's no good. And all of a sudden this becomes a $100,000 business. And that non-believer instead of going, man, God is good to you. They have to justify it in their own why they're not believing. Oh, well, he must have did something wrong or, you know, someone, you know, I never win. Today we're going to be talking about doing the things that God has asked us to do, which will bring us up to another level that we're comfortable with. At this moment, it won't be that big a deal tomorrow because we've learned how to walk by faith and not by sight. That's not all I'm going to say about that, but I'm going to go on and we'll come back to that in a minute. The the story that we're in, we're talking about the children of Israel and they've been in Israel for 430 years, 400 years as a slave. They have had really as a 40 year generation, they've had 10 generations that they've lived in Egypt. As I said last week, their relationship with the beliefs in God had become diluted because of the culture around them. And really, you could say even polluted because of the the culture of the Egyptians said, this is the way you do things. They had a a choice. 
to say, no, that's not the way that God says to do things. But they began to intermingle, which made it more palatable to do the things that they were doing. So when they come out of Egypt, all of them, there's not too many people that won't sign up for immediate less pressure. That's what that song that started as an illustration this morning. All I want to be is okay today. I want to feel something. I just want to be okay today. The verse that that lady sings, that's not a Christian song, by the way. You're thinking, well, well I didn't hear that on GLT. It is not on GLT. She goes, you know, I'm a, I'm a, just a bunch of broken parts. She, she, she just wants to be okay today. And, and as, as long as we're in the, the point of, uh, when fear comes upon us, either fight or flight, it, it's the bottom line is it's a survival mode. And all we can do is just believe, God, I just want to believe that I could be okay today. And we have to watch that as believers that we don't stay on this level, this lower level of I just want to be okay today. No, no, no. God has so much more, but it's going to take taking another level, another level, because at that survival mode, all you can see is right in front of you. And you don't walk by faith. You have very little hope. Some of the symptoms of a person that doesn't have hope is complaining, anger, whining. Uh, you, you can just fill in maybe what you've gone through. I've done what I've gone through now. So you, you can fill in the blank. <laughs> and, and when you lose hope, you begin to complain and whine. God, are you going to do it again? Because I don't. And most of the time for John Miller, it's timing and being patient for God to move and trusting that he has the perfect timing. Just just to remind you that we've done sermons on devil do the math. Do you remember that sermon when we are reminded that the things that the enemy has taken from us, that God will repay us? So that there's something about even the time when we lose hope and say, well, what we had is gone. God says, I'll come into that situation and not only situation and redeem it, I'll buy it back, but I'm going to give you more than what even the enemy took. Uh, uh, We talked about two blind men. Do you remember the the sermons on the blind men and how the, the, the three points that I want you to bring out that will help you go to this next level is remember this. That this or that act of healing the blind men was that God would get glory. Now, now remember that because we, we always wonder, why am I going through this? If you allow God to be God, you'll see that at the end of the story, you'll say, God, I give you the glory because there was no way that I went through that without you. It could be a death in the family. It can be, um, it can be a divorce. It could be a, a child that's lost in birth. It could be horrible things. But God says, I'm with you. Do you trust me? Not only that this act is for the glory of God, but also remember that critics don't enjoy miracles. You can have a critic that is whining and, and talking about it all the time, and, I, and the miracle will take place, and they will try to give you a rationalized reason why that was just a coincidence. Anybody with me ever had somebody like that in your life? And then we talked about getting out of Unbelief City. Getting 
away from people. Well, Pastor, what if that's my husband? God called you to that darkness. Even though your husband might be a believer, he might be critical, he might be complaining. Why is it always the husband? Let's go over to the woman. Do you know what I'm saying? If, if your spouse is going through a time that's an inside feeling that's being acted out in a behavior, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can trust God. But that's why you're there. As, as a believer, you're bringing light and saying, it's going to be okay. And I know that husband or wife, if you're the negative one or you're the complainer, if you're the worrier, can I just encourage you as a loving pastor, Quit talking. Okay, now if I go any further, your spirit's going to close and you won't hear anything else that I say at the message. We're going to move on. I want to remind you, in this passage of Exodus chapter 14, it was harder to get them, listen, it was easier to get them out of Egypt than getting Egypt out of them. They've seen all these plagues come upon Egypt in order for the Pharaoh to come to the conclusion... I'll let the people go. They should have been believers. They should have said, when they're at this place, now now, we talked about the context of the story and putting ourselves in the context, but I want you to recall that the children of Israel are really surrounded. They have the desert, which if they run out in the desert, they're easy pickings, but also that they're, they're facing the Red Sea, so to them, they can't go forward And as they look behind them, the Egyptian army is coming against them. Pharaoh says, I want them to remember who they are. They're my slaves. At that moment, as we talked about last week, there's a trigger that's going off that reminds them. He hasn't caught them. He hasn't done anything. But just the trigger of seeing them to hearing the hoof, you know, prince in the sand coming after them triggered the fear of where they're at. Now, as we, we talk about getting hope in our future, and, and you know, again, there's all levels of, of fear. There's the guy or the lady that just can't hardly, you know, too much analysis leads to paralysis. That's fear. All the what ifs. Then you go all the way to the place of, you know, extreme depression where you can't even get out of the house because of fear of what if. Sometimes I, I watch because all of us can be the, isn't it the chicken doolittle or something like that in the car? Maybe it's uh, Gulliver's Travel, the little guy that always says, we're doomed, we're doomed. You know, the chicken is always, the sky's full and the sky's full. Whatever you want to use as an example, if we're not careful, we'll let the fear go to the furthest extreme. So this morning I want to again read this passage because we're at church. It says in verse 10 of Exodus chapter 14, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians. A lot of times we look up in the fear, oh, the trigger. They were marching after them. What was the emotion coming from the people of Israel, the God's people? These are the, the, it says, they were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said, now watch the reaction. He says, or the people of Israel said, was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out to Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? 
Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Do you understand that the verbiage that they're using, that we're reading, is, is displaying the emotion and that they're rationalizing? Isn't everybody in agreement? Let's vote on it. Aren't we all in agreement? It would have been better for us just to say, all I want is to be okay today. Even if that meant being back in Egypt as a slave and being beaten and taking all the things away from us and you will come up. The, the Bible says the heart is deceitful. Who can understand it? And, and, and we've talked about this in the past, but when, when you go through a situation, your heart can come up with any kind of reason, but it sends a signal to your brain to go, you, you come up with a reason that we can all be in agreement. These guys are coming up with a reason. Okay, yeah. It would have been better to stay back in Egypt. See, and, and right now, some of you are going, it would have been better than dying. But see, they would have forfeited the promised land. It, it's mind-boggling to me. It, it's like freeing someone from prison and they open the gates and they go, I don't want to go. I'm pretty good here in prison. I'll just stay right here. It's like getting a, a, giving a person, here's the medicine that's going to make you better. And they go, no, 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 I'm good being sick. It's like today trying to get people to go to the next level and they go, no, 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 just leave me alone. Now, now watch this. Either these people are broken or they're Addicted to self-abuse, which I don't think they are, but, but at the same time, I, I want you to come up with something that in your mind you can agree with me on, is this. Change is difficult. Now, now remember that. You, you get in a, in, a, in a routine of doing things, you know, you get up, you do this, you do this, you do this, that. It's predictable. Change is difficult. We're going to change things up. We're going to go to another level. That's what I said last week. Is when you go, you know, you start out and you go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. I made it to 10. And then you get a challenge to go to number 11. But you start again at number 10. But you're in another level. You go, no, I'm at number 10. But you can be another 11. And eventually the starting of another level is 31. The next level is 41, but you have to start over with a 1. But see, people say, you know, I, <laughs> it took me a lot of time to get to here, the 0, to the top, 10. I, but until you're ready to take the next level, you have to realize that the 1, the, 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 the next step of the 21 gets you in a room of 20s. And see, we're called to be a blessing, not just in finances, but in everything that we do, we're called to be a blessing in order to be a blessing. We're blessed to be a blessing. So in a time period like this where there's all kinds of things that are going around, you know, you got, you got racial tensions, you've got health issues with COVID, you've got that political party, don't have a clue, but that one doesn't either. That person shouldn't have said that. He shouldn't have said that. Thing. All that stuff that's going on in our country you're the light. So the question is, when you're taking those next steps, you're encountering things that are not comfortable. 
And when you're into that next step, change is difficult. Here's where we're at. Everybody wants to get to the promised land, but nobody wants to go through the wilderness. It was an 11-day journey to the promised land. It takes them 40 years because they're constantly dealing with fear, doubt, unbelief, disobedience, and rebellion. Now, nobody wants to hear rebellion and disobedience. That's just for kids. Come on now. I'm an adult. I've been in church 100 years. But all of us have a time to examine our lives and go, you know what, they're, they're, ooh, something about that button right there that's pushed, and all of a sudden I, I want to go back to Egypt. Huh? We're believers. We walk in love. We know that. But someone cut me off on I-35, and we might have to go knuckles. I have a horn, and I'm not afraid to use it. So, you know, just think the next time you honk and raise your hand and salute to me, it might be me, I mean. Because I do that every time I think it might be you. Kind of keeps us in check, don't it? Hopefully. Hopefully. Heath? Okay, let's go. People will begin to regret the long journey that it's going to take and they start almost longing for back where it was more normal in Egypt. Even though that they all signed up for the trip, you know, Moses says, you guys want to go to the promised land? It's a land, milk and honey. You're going to move into houses you didn't build. You're going to have olive groves and, and vineyards that you didn't plant. They're yours. Everybody said yes until it came to the point of the test. Didn't we say to you back in Egypt, leave us alone? Why would they say that? Here's my message this morning. It's because they would say, we might fail. It's just the threat of failure of going on to the promised land. See, something hit me today, uh, uh, I, a recognition that I had a revelation and I'm exercising this morning, walking out in our neighborhood. And something came to me that I don't know why God didn't show me all this week so I could have thought about it more. But think about it. They've been in the wilderness, or they've been in Egypt, I'm sorry, for 40 or 400 years as slaves. Realize they're walking through a situation at a time on just hearsay of who God was. And, and Moses shows back up on the scene. They don't even know Moses because he's been on the backside of the wilderness for four, or desert for 40 years. They don't even really know him. Now, some of the older people will remember of him because he was in Pharaoh's house. But here's what was kind of what hit me today is you have a system and the older your age is right now you've created a system again we talked about the belief system out of experiences and that's not what you should do because out of those experiences you create a belief system out of the belief system you create your choices so it, until your experiences change you're going to stay with that system of operating but I started thinking, 
that you got the whole, let's say, three million people. So everybody has a choice. But you'll know because you you can read the Bible and read the end of the story that there's a certain age of people. All the people chose not to go into the promised land because eventually the giants there were too big for them. And they said, we can't go, we can't go. So God says, okay, then you'll wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Why? Why was it 40 years? Because a new generation would come up and then they would be given the opportunity to go into the promised land. And if you look at the story, right at the first part of Joshua, when Moses dies and God says, be strong and courageous, don't let the word of God leave your mouth, you know, stay it, stay on it, stay on it. And then he goes and tells the people, and remember what they said? You let us know if anybody disagrees with you because we'll take care of them. And the first time that happens is in Jericho where a guy collects some of the stuff he shouldn't have and buried it. Do you know what they do to that guy? This is to us, what? Shouldn't have he had an appeal to another court, to another court? They took that guy and not only stoned him, but they stoned his whole family. They stoned his livestock. They buried him with rocks. And, and I'll tell you what, as a young minister, I kinda, that kind of bothered me. I said, well, why did they do that? And somebody made it clear. They weren't going back to the wilderness. They were going to determine, God, we're going to believe you. We're going in. And if anybody's in disobedience, they're not us. Now, now watch this. Here's Moses, and he goes to the people, and they're right here at the Red Sea. And the question is, what is he doing? He's trying to get all of them to another level to say, you guys are, you still have Egypt in you. You, you have been living for generations as a slave, and, and maybe a slave to a past system that you're going to have to, it's going to be difficult. But the good news is, listen, God says, I've got a plan for you, a plan that doesn't harm you to give you hope in a future. And, and listen to me, as long as you keep your eyes open, I'll prove who I am, which then will prove who you are in your identity. Watch. The plagues of Egypt come upon them. I'm sure those guys were like, wow, that's our God. Until they get to this point of the Red Sea when they begin to rationalize. Well, maybe all those plagues were by coincidence. Who knows what they came up with? What, that's what we do. The next test in our life or the next level in our life to go to another level is to then change, which is, come on now, is downright hard. So why do we go through all these adventures you know wouldn't it be great just to not have to deal with that because the verse in james it says you know rejoice in all tribulations and trials because it works patience and then you'll become james left out a large portion portion of that didn't he there's a lot of red sea experiences to change those systems to begin to look for God and how He's working in our life is not easy. Years ago, before salmon was on every menu, and, and you know, we go to we go to a hamburger joint, and Gwen's going, Do you guys got salmon? It's a hamburger. Pizza. Salmon, you got salmon here? And I just checking, do you get salmon? I like salmon. No, it's a pizza place. Have a pizza once in a while. 
Before salmon was so popular, codfish was popular. Everybody remember codfish? And it was at Wyatt's, you know, in those little convenient square. I never saw a square fish, but I thought, wow, that's pretty good. But way back in the, in the turn of the century, they were trying to get codfish from the east coast to the west coast. So the transportation was trains. So that they put these codfish on trains frozen and they would ship them to California. But when they got to California, it didn't taste right. So they, they wanted to make a profit and they wanted people to have codfish in, in, in California. So they came up with an idea to make, make car trains big fish tanks. So these codfish were alive until they got to California and then they would, you know, butcher them and, and have codfish. But something happened that no one expected. When they got to California and they butchered them, there wasn't the, now watch it, the taste wasn't right or the texture. Now they could understand when they were frozen, but now they were alive and they, what, what happened? So they, they almost gave up on it and told those Californians, sorry, you don't get codfish. But someone said, what if we put a, a predator? So they, they found out, even though that there was an ocean fish, that they put a predator fish in with them, a natural predator. And, and really they found out, this is kind of crazy, I don't know who found it out, but a catfish, a freshwater fish, would actually be a predator to the codfish. So all the journey from the east coast to the west coast, the codfish had to run for their life. When they got to California, the catfish chasing those codfish made them taste exactly what they tasted on the East Coast natural habitat. Me looking at every story as an illustration for Sunday morning. I thought, wow. Some of us have been complaining about the catfish in our life all our life, but it's the catfish that makes us fresh. Facebook, take that. Booyah. Now, now I, I want to just stop here and say that sometimes us parents, we feel like we're Captain. Captain D's. And we're looking for the catfish to put in our children's lives. So watch out, watch out. Some of you will process that tonight, and that will be as powerful as the last statement. But anyway, we'll go on. The thought is this, is the catfish in our life keeps us fresh so that the challenges that we face, again, bring us to another level. Without those challenges, we'd never see those things in our life. Hmm. You know... Here at church, we all assume this is a safe place to walk in love. And it should be. This is called a sanctuary. Should be an adventurary. Because, listen, if you need to work through problems with people in this church... Because we all are, are trying to do the things that God asks us to do. But until I get in a fight with Lisa Cruz, I tell you what, Lisa, you sang too long. <laughs> and then we work through it. It's going to take time. Listen to me. It's not going to happen out there in the world. 
That went over like a rat sandwich. All right, let's go on. See, see, here's where we're at. It's the catfish that is chasing us. It's the, it's the, the challenges that come. This, this is the challenge room. You know, this is, this is the opportunity to come and hear the Word of God and say, you know what, I'm challenged to go to another level. I'm not comfortable all the time going to another level. I'd rather stay at level 10 than go to 11. But I'm going to do it. And, and a lot of times, and again, let me just say this. It is the systems that we've created to say, you know what, I'm not going to take the challenge in the Bible, it says this in Hebrews. If you're taking notes, write this down. You can read it later in, in triplicate. Just keep reading it. Hebrews 4, 2 and 3. And what that verse says is, we receive the same promises as these are those people in the wilderness. Can you believe that? You, you that say, I never won anything in my life. You won this. We received the same promises as those people in the wilderness, but the promises didn't do them a bit of good. Why? Because they didn't receive the promises with faith. If, here's the transition, if we believe, we'll experience that state of resting, but not if we don't have faith. See, the, the threat of fear is going to try to talk you out of it. And there's a portion that says, if the people of God did not do in the Old Testament, if they did not do what God said, does that mean that God's a liar? And of course, all of us go, no. So then the Bible, Paul says, then let God be true and every man a liar. Those are the critics that are going, God can't do that. He doesn't work that way anymore. No, cut that out. Oh, see, he didn't work there for. Let God be true. And every man a liar. Creating a new process is not easy. It's going to another level. It's identifying the hope killers in your life. Now to kind of give you an idea where we're at, we're almost done so you can re-engage somebody. Okay. Because if you don't want to come out of Egypt, go ahead and go back to sleep. I'm not talking to slaves this morning. I don't have any... Bricks. I don't want to make any bricks. I don't have any straw. Let's go. Let's go change the world. So, so watch this. If, if there's a new system and a new process, we look for those hope killers. What is the first thing that happens when somebody goes, boo, circumstances, boo. You might lose your job, boo. Whatever it is. <laughs> We're pretty close to Halloween, so you'll remember this every time somebody, boo. Oh, it's my hope killer. Is it, is it fear? Is it doubt? Unbelief? Is it maybe disobedience? Is it rebellion? There, there's people that are, I'm a maverick. I do Tell me how that turns out, cowboy. So again, I, I'm, I'm speaking to the younger generation all of you younger people if confession works some of us say amen amen and I believe it does then then we have to realize that there's going to be a new adventure for us in the next stage and I'll just tell you I'm not just putting fear on you 
But I believe in the next three to four months, you're going to be called on as believers. Now you can you can choose to say, "I wish we were back in nineteen or two thousand nineteen because it was normal." Or you can speak up and say, "I believe our God has an answer for this." Let me, let me just give you some very practical things, real quick. Getting to another level and getting away from those hope killers, you're going to need communication. And, and what I mean by that is is having a communication line with God. H- have you ever understood that when a catfish is chasing you, huh, and that that threat of failure comes on you, you don't pray as powerful until that happens. You can go to a prayer meeting and if you don't have anything bothering you in your life, you're on the phone. Ooh, look at there. I didn't know the Cowboys traded for that guy. Let me tell you, if you can't pay a bill, oh God in heaven, you get into the King James. Dear Heavenly Sovereign. Get, get a relationship Here's a guy in a, in a wine press. Remember Gideon and God shows up on the scene and says, Mighty warrior! Because God is with him, he begins to speak who he is and he comes up, up, up to another level. Spending time with God is going to give you the confidence. The song we sang, you know, he says of who I am and he crowns me with confidence. Come on. Spending time with him. You're allowing God to be true and every man a liar. God says, I know what I'm doing. You spend time with me when you seek me with all your heart. Oh, you're going to find me. You better be ready because I'm going to be all over you, encouraging you, loving you. And some people go, I don't know if I can take that. I want to encourage you to try. You won't want to leave. Then let me give you another one. It's stop complaining. I kind of touched on this a little bit ago. But as long as your mouth, let me say, as long as my mouth <laughs> is flapping and telling God what the enemy is telling me, I'm standing in agreement with the enemy more than I am the words of God over me. Don't pray the problem. It's so easy. Everybody can see the problem. We've talked about this years ago a lot. Everybody is bird-dogging. You know, there's the problem. Everybody see the problem. There's the problem. And, you know, you guys are anointed to show up and go, I'm going to take care of the problem. Stop complaining. They said, didn't we say leave us alone? We would have been better to stay back in Egypt. Now, now the third thing is, th- this is something that seems common sense, but it's not common knowledge. You know, the, when I say backsliding, some people think, oh, now, now is as... Pentecostal people, we believe that you can give up your salvation. In other words, you, you say, God, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Where some people say that, you, you, uh, that God's going to mark you. No, but you have a free choice. You have a free choice. When I talk about backsliding, here's what I'm trying to say today in this message. Is if you're not moving forward eventually you'll see yourself come to a standstill. 
And as soon as you notice that, it's not long until you're wanting to go back. It's staying fresh. It's it's purposely putting yourself in a new place. The challenges will come. (laughs) Amen. They'll come looking for you. You don't have to go looking for them. Understand that backsliding, when, when you are fresh, you, you're hungry for God. Life will, let me just tell you, God never promised you that every minute of the day is going to be pleasant. We, we know that. Life is life. But it's during those tough times that you have to have a relationship, a communication, quit complaining, and say, God, I'm going to move forward. Now, for some of you, maybe that have never heard this story, I want to end by telling you the good news. The children of Israel was told by God, stand still. And then he said, move, tell them to move. Raise your staff. The waters part. They go over on dry ground. Can you believe that? I mean, would you not? I don't know. I don't know if anybody could talk me out if there wasn't a God and he's on my side. If I went through parted water and I'm going through not in mud but dry ground and he says this God says I'm going to do this because the Egyptians are going to go through that and when they're right in the right place the water's going to come back the reason why is because I'm going to get glory for it that the enemy that is the strongest army on the face of the earth is defeated not by you Israelites but by me and when you come to the recognition, recognizing, whatever that word, recognizing who I am, you'll get the revelation of how much I love you. And there'll be no challenge too hard for you. And it's such a miracle. They get on the other side and Miriam, which is Moses' sister, just a story, gets out a tambourine and starts dancing in the desert. That's a sermon for tomorrow. But listen. If you're not careful, you'll go through one Red Sea experience and then you'll complain the next time it comes. It's not a couple chapters where they're complaining again. Now, I I like, just like you, like to complain about the complainers. I'm going to encourage you to come up to another level. God's got your back, got my back. It's better in the promised land than in the normality of Egypt. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. When you understand that, that the enemy that comes against you is not greater than he that is inside of you, the Holy Spirit, then, now watch this, as we come to the end of this, listen, then you'll realize that the Holy Spirit that lives inside you can direct your life if you'll just listen. And sometimes he says, don't do that. As well as do that. But it's up to us, again, to be obedient to what he's saying for us. Amen? You know, I think that today, let's... Let's just close the service. And and I'm not going to ask Lisa to come back up like I usually do. You can give in the offering as you leave the auditorium or the adventurary. (laughs) But, But 
this morning, I, I want to just right now. To, can you can you put yourself in the children of Israel's place and and you might be at a Red Sea experience. And you might be saying, God, it's comfortable to go back, but God, I'm challenged by the Holy Spirit through this message today to move, to keep moving, to stay fresh with you. Can we, can we pray that this morning? Father, today, you, you see my life. You see everybody's life that is here. And Father, you have spoken to each one of us in, in the way that the Holy Spirit can do. And Father, what I'm asking you to do is God to, to speak to us in areas of our life that are not right. And Father, most of us have already known that it's not right. But give us the courage and the strength to realize even when the temptation of fear comes into our life, that Father, we're going to continue to move forward. We're not going to be paralyzed in fear. That God, that at that moment, as we're moving forward, even though that we can't see it, taste it, touch it, that we have to move by faith. That God, at that moment, we remember what you said to look long and expect for your goodness, your love in our life. And Father, we pray that for each one of us today. In your wonderful name we pray, amen. Amen. This morning, would you just stand with me? And, and before we go, again, this morning, the, the sooner that you can put something into practice, the better. Because you know as well as me that i, I got to stop and think, what did I preach three weeks ago? I know that all of you know exactly what I preach and could quote it by heart, but that's another story. But we know that as we go, that most of the message goes into our spirit and, and we begin to process it, process it. But what I'm asking you to do is this week is begin to watch how you react to things that are fearful that come into your life. And you say, nope. I'm not going to let fear, doubt, and unbelief. I'm not going to let the critics speak to me. I'm not going to let the triggers of Pharaoh's army coming back behind me, you know, trying to defeat me, tell me who I was. And you allow God to be God in your life. He loves you. He's a good God. Amen. You guys are dismissed. Thank you for coming to the chapel today.